0: Welcome to Voices of Santa Clara.
1: Having a good idea doesn't get you And if we'd hit those, there would have been an explosion. We would have died, obviously.
2: Scholarship should cultivate the virtues.
1: Worry more about, am I searching for what I should be doing next in the world?
0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Voices of Santa Clara podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Cosgrave, and today I have the honor of speaking with a few of my really close friends. Um, They all did the Global Social Benefit Fellowship this past year, uh, which is the same program I did where I went to India over the summer, and then there was a class before and after did a project focused on social entrepreneurship, um, and I talked about that in a previous episode. That's episode number 61. It was all through the Miller Center for Social Entrepreneurship, where I've been involved with at Santa Clara for a while. Check out their new website at millersosent.org. So in this conversation, I'm talking with Rachel, who was my partner in India. She's a senior civil engineering major, and as you'll remember, we were with Three Wheels United in uh, Bangalore, India. We got to travel all around India. Uh, Three Wheels United provides loans to auto rickshaw drivers to help them own their vehicles, then also on this conversation is Nick Fazio, who's an environmental studies major, and he was with PICO Rwanda, which uh, PICO is a community development organization, a nonprofit actually, and Nick will talk a little bit about what PICO does on this show. And then uh, finally is Emma Hokoda, who was with Solar Sister in Tanzania. And Solar Sister empowers women to be entrepreneurs and sell products to uh, help eliminate energy poverty in rural Tanzania. Um, yeah. So those are the three guests that are joining me. Uh, we, we have a great time on this conversation. You'll hear some uh, fun stories. There will be some laughs and also just uh, a chance for us to reflect on what we've learned and um, both in the the fellowship as well as just generally in Santa Clara. Uh, you're really in for a treat because this is one of the most fun and funniest episodes that I've done so far, so enjoy.
2: I'm Rachel. I'm a civil engineering major and environmental studies minor, and I was in the field with Gavin this summer, so we were in, in all over India with Three Wells
3: United.
1: And I'm Nick Fazio. I'm studying environmental studies in French, and I was in Rwanda with Emily Fagundes working with Pico Rwanda
3: name is Emma. I'm a senior environmental studies major, sustainability minor, and this summer I was in the field in Tanzania working with Solar Sister and Amanda.
0: Yeah, so I think I've talked a little on the podcast about like what I got out of the, the overall experience, but one of the cool things I think about GSBF is that different people kind of have different takeaways or different aspects of the experience that are memorable or impactful. So maybe do you each want to share a little bit about kind of now a little removed from um, you know the, the spring class, the time in the field in the summer and then the fall class, like what's, what's kind of been impactful or memorable or have you found yourself Uh, returning
1: to? Uh, What comes to mind is just this level of intentionality, Mm -hmm. and I think it really started in the spring quarter class with everything we did. Almost everything we did, there was a really legitimate reason for it in preparation for the summer and making sure that our eight weeks over the summer were most meaningful and most impactful, adding value, as we always talked about. (laughs) And then, for me, what stood out in the summer, working in the field with Pico, Pico's a community organizing nonprofit, and there's so much focus on bringing people together, figuring out what people are looking for, what they need, and getting, doing one-on-ones, one-to-ones, they call them, just figuring out where the other person's at and how, explaining where you're at as well and how you can join up and work to make things happen and make and move forward and progress and in this case it was kind of uplift communities out of poverty and for me, our, what was so special was meeting as a community. We would sit down and just take and just be with one another in a, in a almost a circle. We're sitting on tarps and you know simple things and just being in that space with each other was so so special So mm. the presence was really special yeah.
0: hmm. and is there anything like you kind of took away or could implement like back at Santa Clara that made you think about like in your career or just life moving forward like any lessons on like community or how that how that works because that's that's I feel like not a normal. It's not like a normal thing here in the U.S. for people to be like, let's just sit together as a community and like talk about anything, yeah.
1: Totally. This simple idea of finding out where another person's at and listening. We spent so much time listening. You know, we all want to have our voices heard and whatnot, but something to take away, and no matter whether it's work, social life, a partnership, whatever it is, just listening and being present, that's what I'll take away.
2: It's definitely something that I think Gavin and I, in being in India... Had to get much better at was just like being. Mm -hmm. And especially, there's like this one specific story that comes to mind when we were in the Himalayas and our flight kept getting, or we, this is our initial attempt to get out because it was monsoon season and all the flights kept on getting delayed and canceled. But it had been like half an hour after the boarding time was supposed to begin and we were all still sitting there. and They hadn't made any announcement. And like, I'm very used, to, we're all very used to the US system of like, it leaves on time unless they say something. And so I was kind of confused and concerned. But I also knew that like, things in India, like time isn't as big of a constraint. So then I asked, like... And Gavin was sleeping. <laughs> he was, like, passed out <laughs> at the gate.
0: Really helpful, as, <laughs> me, as <laughs> always.
2: Because he was still sick. Oh, um, no. Um, yeah. <laughs> he had his, like, i mask on in the middle of the airport. Um, like, spanned across three chairs. <laughs> anyway, and so I turned to, like, the like these two Indian men next to me. And one of them was, like, much older with, like, a beard. And he's wearing all white. And... I was like, do you know when the plane's like gonna come? Like, do you know what's happening? And he just was like the most like calm and certainty was just like, don't worry, it'll come. And I was just like, How? Like, how do you know? Like, how do you like how can you say this with so much like res like resoluteness? Right? Like I was just like, how do you know? And then after that, I was like, okay. But then it didn't come. It did get canceled. He <laughs> uh, was wrong.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but like that, I feel like really exemplifies how you just like can't freak out about things that are out of your control. Mm-hmm. And that's like something that I think Gavin and I had to get much better at. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I wanted to bring back coming back to Santa Clara was just being okay with things being out of my control. And because of that, I think the whole like job search anxiety and like figuring out what you're going to do after postgrad is like much duller than it used to be just because like things will be okay like we have a college education we have that privilege and like we have all of these people supporting us we're going to be just okay
3: <laughs> the plane mm. will come <laughs> even if it gets cancelled another plane came right yeah. like you got out of there
0: uh, no <laughs> actually planes didn't come we ended up taking an overnight bus like, <laughs> well, okay clear.
3: well then that's a good was. lesson <laughs> of flexibility and yeah it pivoting. actually
0: did come but yeah. we
2: were just too tired to go to the airport so then we missed it
0: oh, right <laughs> yeah. well Right. Well, the plane did come later, but then we ended up taking the bus. And then so so, sometimes someone was asking me like about one of the most like frightening moments of my life. And then I was reminded actually of that, that bus ride. So I'll briefly, I'll briefly mention the story because it comes to mind. So I'm still sick a couple days later on this, this overnight bus down through the mountains back to New Delhi. And, um, very windy roads. Yeah. 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 Like huge, huge bus. So it's the middle of the night and I really have to go to the bathroom and they're not the bus isn't planning on stopping anytime soon so I like go up to the front and ask ask the guy like hey you know could we could we stop for the bathroom and he isn't too happy about it but he's like okay fine um and then so a couple minutes later we we stop and I like run kind of like waddled you waddled,
1: you waddled. I like watched you.
0: okay so I exit the, I exit the bus and make my way we're just and it's like a gas station in the middle of nowhere at like 3 a.m okay and so i run i run, well whatever i do i make it i make it to the bathroom i come back everything's everything's good but then I'm exiting the the gas station and I look up and the bus is gone no. and I and then the, the 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 next thing I realized was that I had brought neither my phone nor my wallet with me so I was just it was like just me 3 a.m uh, in the dark in the middle of nowhere looking up and, and the bus is gone and I had I had a few seconds of just pure pure panic I'm like I don't know I don't know where we are I don't know I don't know anything um, but I looked looked a little down the road and like a hundred yards down there was like the bus there and so I just like ran back and, and got on and it just resumed and everything was was fine. And I was like why did why did the bus move from its original location without me on it? Like, it's
2: okay I wouldn't I was up so I wouldn't have like right. the bus leave without you.
0: Right. Rachel was looking out for me yeah. but I was not aware of that at but the moment. That moment of not of coming out. Yeah. Right? Do you like,
2: remember what happened the bus ride to the Himalayas to me though?
0: yeah why don't you
2: that this one is also funny so they expect you to be ready to get off the bus like this but all my stuff was like all over the place and so i was taking a long time i guess packing up and then the bus just started driving and i was still on the bus and gavin had already got off and so i literally like was like wait like i didn't get off and the bus driver doesn't speak english and so he just was really annoyed and he was like Said something And he's... But basically, he's like, why don't you get off? You know? And so then I ended up getting off. And you put... I put my backpack and, like, my suitcase in the underneath part. And so I got off and the bus, like, took off. And then I was like, wait, my stuff. And so then I'm carrying a backpack and a, like, bag. And I'm literally... Chasing after this huge bus, just screaming at it. I'm like, stop, stop, and like I'm waving at people on the side of like stop that bus. And then it finally like comes to a stop because like it reaches traffic. And then I literally like run up to it. I'm like, the bus driver's like, my stuff! And then he was like, It's back there. And I was like, What? And so then I had to like run another back to where it dropped us off with Mm -hmm. Gavin. And then Oh, like they had taken yeah. it out. I was just standing Tuck by all Barbie. the stuff oh. waiting, wondering <laughs> where Rachel went. I was
0: like, She'll probably come back sometime. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> Cause there's no service.
0: There were some there were some auto drivers who were, you know, like, oh, we'll drive you anywhere, and I'm like, just be patient for a few minutes. Like, she'll be back. <laughs> oh my god. Um, wait, yeah.
3: well, okay, wait. So what but, was the question again? It was
0: Oh, uh, I don't remember anything. What you yeah, took what away. Yeah.
3: Well, okay, I guess for me, like kind of the two like biggest things i took away one was just being exposed to the field of social entrepreneurship and like having the opportunity to work with an enterprise like all the previous jobs i'd had until then have been like through santa clara like i've just worked for the university in different capacities um and so i've never like I'd never really worked with like an an outside organization, especially one that was like impact oriented. And so that was really special for me, especially because I didn't really know that that existed. And I was very pleased to find out that it did and that people care about that sort of thing because I do too. Um, So just like getting exposed to that opportunity was really great um, and has definitely been super helpful in determining like what I want to do in the future. And then kind of similar to what Nick was saying about community, just really feeling that community at all levels, like definitely in the field, like working with the enterprise, um, just meeting other people that were were there. Like every single person we met, I felt like was so open and willing and ready to be in community with us. And I really wasn't expecting that. like, we stayed with a couple groups of sisters for, like, a couple nights here and there. And, like, even though we were only there for a few days, like, they were just so, like, warm and welcoming and ready to have us. And, like, our driver and our translator just became, like, our extended family while we were there. And also just the community at Miller Center and with all the fellows, like, I just feel so much more, like, supported than I ever have in my entire life. Like, and I just feel like I have, like, a great team behind me. And that's just been, like, such a special thing that... I wouldn't change for the world. Hmm.
0: Yeah, did it make you think differently about, like, business? Yes, it did.
3: I was very skeptical of business before. I, like, was one of those environmental people who's like, business sucks, like, everything business does is terrible, corporations are awful, Um, but... Not all business is bad. I have learned, um, and some is quite good, and is really doing a lot, making a making a really great impact. Mm-hmm. So it definitely um, expanded my view to be not so binary mm-hmm. on that. And
0: did that make you think differently about like your future at all?
3: Yeah, I mean, I never would have like expected. I was like, oh, I'm definitely not ever gonna work for like a for profit, like anything mm-hmm. like that. But now I'm like, oh, maybe I'll get an MBA. Like, who knows? Which is insane. Like, I never would have thought that a year ago. Mm.
0: Yeah, interesting. Nick, did so Pico isn't a for profit, right? It's Correct. it's a non profit. So like how I don't know, do you, do you think that model like works or is sustainable of like community organizing or like what, what what are your thoughts on that or what or what you just observed
1: by being there? Yeah, in some ways I do think it works, but there's definitely room for growth that could be a little bit well, it could be supported a little bit better if they went to a hybrid model or something more entrepreneurial, I guess. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the funding comes from donations and, you know, we even worked on trying to use crowdfunding as a platform to, gain, to get some donations so that mm-hmm. they could actually have the capital to start some projects, like infrastructure-based projects. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's a limit to it, but they were definitely trying to work toward this more entrepreneurship model within the community organizing as a... Oh, various, they, the two in being intertwined because they don't want to lose the community or we don't want to lose that community organizing part because mm-hmm. it's so formative and involving all the community. But then like you're saying, Gavin, I think, yeah, adding the more business mindset and what you're talking about, it adds some some good value to it. So, mm-hmm. what, What's like
0: an example of a... Project that either they were working on or that you were able to help
1: with r- related to your deliverables when you were there. So, two of the five communities that Pico works with were working through business plans, mm-hmm. and one idea was, or one project that they wanted to work on for one community is um, a crop selling business, and because they're in a very they're in agriculture, many of the members of the cooperative and they're in a great location, so they want to purchase um, when the crops are plentiful and then sell when they're low and make some profit there. And then the other one is on this really great road. The location of their site where they already have a tile and brick business is on a great great road and they want to cater to trucks going by, buses going by with a rest stop that has water, drinking water, restrooms, some space for community to gather. So it's really cool to see those entrepreneurial little ideas come in. Mm
0: -hmm. And then like what was... What was your mm. role kind of in those with you and Emily? So,
1: so on the weekly meetings, Emily and I would sit with the cooperatives and then hear about, listen, ask questions that would um, get give us all a better idea of what they were doing to kind of keep track of their business. For one, the talent brick selling business, you know, what are their sales looking like? What are their customers looking like? So we went through basic parts of a, a very simple business plan. What is the, yeah, customer, um, what does your market look like? all these different things and so little by little went through a SWOT analysis we were able to work with them on coming up with a f- more robust business plan and some goals and objectives that they had moving forward do yeah. you think you'd
2: want to work with a nonprofit then in the future
1: um, yes in the future mm-hmm. but I'm weary to go right into it because I feel like there's a lot of things I need to, to learn, learn. Like yeah an exactly yeah. and I want to gain some of that business knowledge because mm-hmm. I feel like that's mm-hmm. beneficial like you're yeah, saying, yeah,
3: that's true. I feel like a lot of people go into nonprofit work, like, maybe without as much, like, experience in mm-hmm. like, that side, and they just have more of, like, a very um, optimistic attitude, and then yeah. they can tend to, like, burn out, but it's better to maybe, like, develop those skills first and, like, really understand, like, the market and how businesses work and then, like, bring that knowledge, like, into the realm of...
0: Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If profit is your main goal then it's tough to have the social mission. But yeah. if you do you, you can fund great a great social mission
1: with mm-hmm. making profits, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. Yeah, how do you intertwine those or yeah. yeah. You I feel eat? like it's you just you, I
2: feel like you just like place at the very top on your chain the mission and then mm-hmm. the way to achieve that mission, like one of the strategies is by making a profit. Like mm-hmm. I don't know that's how like I view it I guess but maybe it's because I don't know the internal exact structure of social enterprises and obviously they're all very different but if I were to have my own social enterprise then Mm -hmm, I think that would be the chain of order and like priorities Mm
0: -hmm. yeah yeah and kind of one one other question about the field like Nick you kind of mentioned learning from the people in the culture there about building community right but like what's something maybe Rachel that you took away from like any I mean we're in a bunch of different places within India but like from either people we met or just the the culture there in India
2: yeah I mean it's like a beautiful beautiful country and obviously every country has its own problems and it's very messy and chaotic and um but I also there's like it's so vibrant and there's a, something about living and working in a country that has such a rich history and such a rich history that ties it all the way back centuries just because in the US like our Western society is so new compared to India. Um like being in Hampi when we went to Hampi, there which is basically it's one of the UNESCO's like world heritage sites and there's temples literally all over the place. I think there's like a few hundred in there. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, it used to, well, you can, you can look it up. Um, but basically it's a very religious site for Muslims, but seeing the temples literally all over the place, like you just sit on a hill and see so many, it was like, there's something very still about being in Hopi and like very the, the culture was just very rich and you could like literally feel it in your bones just being in that area. Mm-hmm. And you could like see mm-hmm. how like the history used to play out from before. You could like imagine it with the bazaars and everything. Um, and so I think that was something that I took away, but also just the people that are really great. And we talked about this before at keeping connections mm-hmm. and like maintaining relationships. So like when we went to Mysore we met this random aromatherapy dude that we just chilled with for a couple hours, Samir. And he like got our WhatsApp and he'll like still randomly text us sometimes. Um, Or like this random monk that I met in the Himalayas. Like we'll still just send each other photos because that's the only form of communication that we both understand. And then with Swati and Chandani, who are our translators slash employees of Three Wheels that went with us wherever we went. So we spent much more time with them we just became very close with them very quickly, especially Swati, I'd say, because she has a very, she's, like, very understanding of Western culture and, like, really, she, like, watches Hawaii Five O and knows all about, <laughs> like, Shawn Mendes and Camila Cabello. Yeah.
0: She knew more about American culture than I did. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think in terms of just, like, learning about Tanzania and the culture and all of that, A lot came on that road trip just because there was so much downtime in the car. We were just driving. Um, And so just talking to our driver and our translator about things. And they were, like, great because they were super curious and, like, not afraid to ask us questions, too. Like, I remember, like, on, like, one of the first days that we were in the car, like... Luma was just, like, brought up out of the blue. She was like, so, racism in America? Like, what's that like? And we were like, oh. And it was just so interesting, like, they... That she didn't really, like, understand, like, the nuances of it and, like, how it works because like, it's just such a different, like, culture in Tanzania, and, like, Mm -hmm. obviously, like, there's racism in, like, different forms, but it's obviously, like, vastly different, Mm -hmm. Um, and so just kind of, like, explaining that was also just, like, really hard to explain, because we were, like, well, it's not, like, most people like that you talk to are like racist and like hate certain people. But like racism is really built into our country. Like it prevents people from doing a lot of things. Like it's very systematic and like just trying to explain that and also just wrap our heads around like the complexity of like the U S was um, really interesting. And then also just like so many things, like I remember we one time, like she had just got her hair braided and I was like, Oh, Lumba, like it looks so good. And she was like, you should get your hair braided and like go back and like, show people like in the U S and I was like, no, like I can't do that. Like it's cultural appropriation. And she was like, what? No, it's like, not like, or like, I don't think it is like, I like, she was like, I'm condoning it. It's so, like, you can do it. And I was like, I just, it doesn't work like that. Like people would like not, people would be upset like in the U S like they wouldn't like appreciate that. Um And so just, I don't know, talking about things like that. And then also there was, Um, we went to this um, hotel that we were staying at and there was a pool and we were talking about like I guess, swimwear, because I, we were noticing that, like, a lot of the Tanzanians that were, like, swimming in the pool, like, the women especially would just wear, like, shirts and, like, wouldn't be wearing, like, swimsuits <laughs> and stuff. And I was like, oh, like, should I wear a shirt in the pool? Like, I have a swimsuit, but, like, maybe I should cover up more. Like, mm-hmm. I was asking Lumba, And she was like, no, it's okay. Like, you can wear whatever you want. Like, people, like, can see that you're, like, white. And so they don't, like, they're not going to be, like, offended. But if I was to wear, like, a bikini, like, people would get, like, really mm-hmm. upset. And, like, I wouldn't be allowed to do that. And I just felt so, like, like, uncomfortable being in that position where I was like, oh, I can wear and do whatever I want because of, like... And even here, like, in this country, you know, where it's, like, I don't live here. Like, I'm not, like, a part of this country. But, like, they treat, like, tourists, like, on this, like, higher pedestal. Like, oh, you can do whatever you want. Like, you don't have to, like, respect our culture. Like, you can just go ahead. And then, like, they were so restricted by, like, what other people would say about them. And that was just really interesting to learn. So just having a lot of those, like, conversations and learning from those different interactions was definitely, like, gave me a lot to reflect on.
1: Yeah. Yeah
2: just like reminded me then for Nick then being in Rwanda how much did you see the effects of the Rwanda genocide or is it part of the culture is it like a big part or is it more so
1: smaller things that you noticed Mm. I think it's very underlying Mm -hmm. um, because we would only talk about it kind of just as a side conversation and whatnot but I definitely think it's it's deep within yeah it's of course a scar that's deep there Mm. But everybody is just so kind, and they want to change the stigma. Like it's a beautiful, like you're saying about India, Rwanda is also a beautiful country. The people are so kind, and um, so. But there's definitely, yeah. Of course, you can't escape that pain that goes with it. And then the generation, as the younger generations come in, I'm curious. I don't know fully what that's like for the younger generations to kind of move past it and not forget about it. Of course, but move past it so it's it's there but it's not I, and me coming in as you know for only eight weeks I'm, my understanding of it's limited but mm-hmm. it wasn't very visible or you know you couldn't I couldn't see that but I do mm-hmm. think underlying it's there's still a lot of that pain and tension mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially with <coughs> whoever's in power and mm-hmm. things like that yeah
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's like being in a different culture definitely makes you question things that you maybe wouldn't about your own, right? About the water you're normally swimming in, in uh, here. Literally. <laughs> Literally. In the pool. In the pool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd also love um, just to touch on a few of the other things you're involved with here in Santa Clara, or I guess it's, it's a little scary that we're all getting so close to graduation, uh, but like scary. I'm, you're all... Involved in some unique things and have had some cool experiences at Santa Clara. So, yeah, do any of you want to maybe touch on other things you're passionate about outside of GSB ever that have been a big part of your Santa Clara experience?
2: I mean, so Nick and I are both Nick and I are both on um, a team for the Associated Schools of Construction competition that our civil engineering department puts on every year. Mm through our associate American general contractors club. So that was just like a lot of words, but basically Nick's been on it for longer than I am, um, than I have, but we're both on the sustainability team this year, which is a new team. Mm -hmm. That's very exciting. Yeah.
1: Rachel's the project manager. She's been incredible. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) It's been a
2: lot of work getting it off the ground and finding coaches. And, but we have an incredible team. Mm Um, and, we're very excited we leave next week on Wednesday and hopefully don't get stuck in Reno like we did last year. Um, but very excited about that. And I really hope that it'll just continue on in the next few years. Cause I like set up all the work for it. Um, and then.
0: Yeah, yeah. One, one question, Rachel. So one difference I feel between us is that I kind of like pretend I'm like, Oh, business is like something I'm interested in. And you're you know that like the like Pretend. sustainable development, like like the intersection between sustainability and civil engineering and um, how, you know, climate change and rising sea levels will affect vulnerable mm-hmm. communities. like that's such a an interesting and like specific kind of research area, right? that you've like found an interest in. So kind of how did you decide that like that was something you'd be interested in like researching or pursuing in the future?
2: I think a lot of it has been shaped by, my civil department here, firstly, just because, the like, I'm more so water resource environmental emphasis and Dr. Maurer, who's a professor for that, does so much research in climate change and he works very interdisciplinary and collaboratively with EMVS. Um, and so he shaped a lot of how I view civil engineering and how you can have an impact with it and same with Dr. T, who's absolutely incredible. Did you talk with her yet? Mm-hmm.
0: Not, yet. Not yet. She'll okay. be on
2: soon. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and Then also then GSBF also shaped it a lot. So that's like being in India and viewing the lack of infrastructure there was something that I wasn't expecting to affect me as much, Um, especially because when we were in Chennai, which is where I think they hit day zero or in April last year. And when we were there, it was like mid-July. (laughs) <laughs> They'd completely run out of groundwater. Like there was no more drinking water available within Chennai. And in the areas that we were living in, we were fine because we were staying in hotels and they were able to afford water from other places. But when we would conduct our interviews with the auto drivers, they lived in what they called slums and but they were more so just like subsidized like government apartments that had theoretically like running water supplied to them. But because they are able to afford private water tankers that are more reliable and have a better quality they had to go through government tankers and all the families had to pitch together for to hire one government tanker and the day that we went we were we it just so happened that we saw the government tanker literally squeezing through this like narrow alley to deliver water to the hundreds and hundreds of people living there and people were just straight just like holding buckets and like pumping water manually from a pump and then also, at the same time, on the other side of the country, in Mumbai, they were experiencing a really intense flooding, and it had been the worst it had been in 25 years, and over 100 people died from it. And so, seeing the lack of, like, seeing the inf- the impact of the lack of infrastructure on communities that don't necessarily have as much adaptive capacity is was somewhere where I was like, okay, I think this could be a perfect place where I can, like, slot in because it's social and environmental and I can use my technical knowledge mm-hmm. and then also I just had completed an independent study earlier that quarter, or like that quarter before on climate change and its impact in the in Santa Clara County specifically and like vulnerable communities and so yeah, that's kind of, I guess it, if I hadn't gone to India hopefully I would like to think that I might have come to that realization but I don't think I would have gotten there as quickly. Mm-hmm. And because of that, and also then with all the vocational discernment that we did in that fall quarter, that like really, really helped me cement and put into words and like concrete thoughts, like what I wanted to do. And like writing the Fulbright app also, like as Emma can probably feel the same way, it really helped discern like a more clear direction for me. Mm-hmm. So I don't think without the support of like Keith and Dr. and Thane, I would have necessarily come to that conclusion before graduating. Mm-hmm. So I have no idea what I would be doing after probably just going to industry in a job that I find like mildly satisfying.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely the construction competition, mm-hmm. especially sustainability. Um, getting Ooh. insight into that, mm-hmm. yeah, because it's definitely the way you know things are moving that way, and buildings are such a big carbon emitting. Mm-hmm. Well, the whole production line of that, and the, mm-hmm. what do, do we say value chain. Mm-hmm.
2: Right. responsible for 50 percent of waste right. worldwide and 40 percent of climate change right. I don't know where they got that data from but yeah, <laughs> yeah. But
1: some, so that um, and then working with the well being a part of the into the wild leadership team mm-hmm. has been pretty formative mm-hmm. now having more of a leadership well everybody's on the leadership level but having more of a overseeing managerial position in the club has um, been a really good challenge mm-hmm. interpersonal just you know, working together in a team. And this happened with GSPF too, but mm-hmm. leadership dynamics and things like that. And how can we get more people outdoors and into a space that we see as, well, there's so many things that go along the lines with that, but making people a little bit more aware of what we're so fortunate to have in, in the natural space and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's self centered at times. There's some things to talk about there with. The access to outdoor mm-hmm. space and mm-hmm. who has access to outdoor space, but when it comes to college, I think for me, what I just am hoping that people are in the most healthy mindset that they can be in, and so going out into nature is, it's a privilege to do that. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's been most impactful, and then working in the admission office, like just meeting so many different people, looking at Santa Clara. Mm-hmm. And interacting with them, that's been incredible as well. Mm-hmm. What
2: about Global Fellows?
1: Oh, Global Fellows. <laughs> yeah, I can't forget Global Fellows. <laughs> that was an incredible experience. That really, I think, that sparked the, the idea of applying um, applying to, to GSBF. Mm-hmm. And so that was summer after your sophomore year, you and you, you were in Kolkata, India, uh-huh. working for an environmental nonprofit, education nonprofit, and then a previous. GSBF fellow, who also an Into the Wild leader, was curious if I'd be interested in doing it, and when we talked things out, it was like, oh, that's that seems like a next step for growth, continuing on this path of, you know, impact and something meaningful so mm-hmm. yeah I can't mm-hmm. forget about that I'm mm-hmm. grateful for that experience. Mm-hmm.
0: Re- real quick has anyone ever asked you like a really weird question on a tour uh, <laughs> <laughs> weird,
3: yeah, weird like question the I always
1: get that I don't okay I can't think of a weird question so but or like was,
3: the craziest situation that
1: happened <laughs> yeah well there was this one lady who was asking great questions she was really like always had a question to ask uh-huh. <laughs> and she really dug in um, and she asked me what privilege means to me as mm-hmm. I was uh, one of my one of my stops and that in it front of the entire group. In front of the entire group, and yeah. that was a, a discernment <laughs> process going through my head. I should have said thank you for that question. You know, <laughs> I'm gonna think about it a little bit more and I'll get back to you, rather than speak and go through my thoughts in front of everybody. It <laughs> felt like 10 minutes just spinning yeah. stuff. It's, but it's a big, it's a good question yeah. to ask. You know, yeah. As a white Check male a, yeah. and going to university in the U.S., that's that's a good question. So yeah. that was the biggest. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Thought provoking. This
2: just reminded me of when I was doing the engineering admit calling. Because I mentioned engineering yeah. tour guide. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I called I called someone named Pickle. Really? <laughs> Their name was
1: Pickle. A student?
2: Someone who was admitted. Oh, wow. I like that
1: name. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just... It is a little different, though. <laughs> 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 I don't know if my child It is thinking, a little yeah.
2: different. I just like I they didn't pick up either, so I had to leave it book for a school. That was the sweetest response.
1: Did, you, did, you call, did you laugh at me? <laughs> no, I
2: had tried really hard. I was like, hey, Pickle...
1: I'm not for this.
3: Um, Yeah, so I guess one of the things that's been impactful for me has been working at the Center for Sustainability. Um, I've been an intern there since my sophomore year. I'm the curriculum development intern. Um, So basically what that means is I am tracking the number of courses that include sustainability um, at Santa Clara. And I also work with professors through this annual Penn STEMM program where we offer them a stipend to transform their course to include like a module or an activity that is related to sustainability so that we can get more departments and more professors um, really intersecting sustainability into whatever they're currently teaching. Um, and so I really enjoyed that job and, like, learned a ton about working in a um, – in like a center in the university and like that playing that role of like we're technically in university operations but we have like this climate plan for like neutrality and so how do we get like the entire university like involved in all these different levels um and it's just such a great team because we have two really great bosses and then like a team of like 10 interns um that are all working in various divisions of sustainability. Um and so there's so much room for collaboration, mm-hmm. which is really really cool. And we have a lot of just room to like develop our own ideas, like our bosses are very um open to that, which is really cool. So like last quarter we a couple of the interns just wanted to go zero waste for a month and like vlog it. So we did that and that was really cool. So we basically We said you could only compost for a month, and so any other waste you produced that was recyclable or like landfill, we put it in a jar. and so that was definitely very challenging and, but really fun, especially too, to do it with friends. And it kind of felt like a little game. Like we were like, okay, like we're going to go to the grocery store. Like we have to buy things in bulk. Like we have to like bring our own bags. Like it felt just like I was like on a mission, like all the time I was like, okay. And then someone would be like, oh, do you want this like candy? And I was like, yes. Oh no, I can't. It's individually wrapped. <laughs> never mind Like, and so just navigating that was really fun. And the impact uh, that it had on me was really big because, um, I'm definitely not still like Zero waste completely, but um, it definitely has changed a lot of my purchasing habits. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's been really cool. And just like having the support in the center of like all these, like these 10 other interns who like really care about it too and are really trying to change not only the university, but their personal actions. and just, like, having this, like, we have, like, a, a group chat for all the interns and just everyone's, like, sending, like, supportive messages and, like, cool, like, things that they found online. Like, oh, I found the Zero Waste Hack or, like, this vegan recipe. So that's just really nice to have, too. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much for Yeah, for sure. Us. This was such a treat.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally.
1: Yeah, I
0: appreciate it. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and now on Spotify so that you don't miss an episode. Check out the website at VoicesOfSantaClara.com for some shortened transcripts. And you can like the Facebook page and follow on Twitter. I'll see you next time.